I first encountered the woman on a snowy evening last winter. Actually, it was technically spring, but in the upper Midwest, winter basically lasts until May. It seemed like there was an annual requirement that we got one big final snowstorm in mid-April. This night was actually before that, though. It was some time in late March when the world had first delved into this COVID lockdown shit. I was out for a late-night walk by myself, just trying to get some fresh air and feel a little bit more normal. Predictably, the streets were empty. I live down in a mid-sized city, and I remember early in my walk I stopped in the center of one of the busiest intersections in the center of the tallest buildings and just turned around a few times, bewildered by how there wasn't a car or soul in sight. A few blocks later, I would be wishing that that was still the case. I was down on the city's riverwalk when I noticed her about a block up ahead. I couldn't tell if she was a girl or woman, but I assumed the latter because I could see she was somewhere between five feet and five foot seven. Being a shorter guy, I have come to be quite good at assuring myself I'm actually taller than somebody from afar. It doesn't happen often but it is exciting when it does. After a block, I realized that I was gaining on her and began to get that annoying little stab of anxiety at having to slowly gain and then pass somebody walking in the same direction as you. It's even worse when you see it's a woman. Although I'm not physically imposing, I always feel bad because I'm worrying that they will think I have bad intentions and I'm adding unnecessary stress to their life. You know, this Me Too movement stuff. My, how the tables were about to turn. After another block, I was only about 20 feet behind her, and I could see that she was not at all dressed for the weather. She was wearing slippers, pajamas, and appeared to be walking with a slight limp. I had thought about turning back toward home to avoid the awkwardness of passing her, but now I was wondering if she was in distress and might need some help. Truly, I didn't want to wake up the next morning to the news of a woman having frozen to death down by the river, a woman I had passed and could have helped. Excuse me, I called out to her. She shuffled to a stop, the snow crunching beneath her feet. I stopped as well and waited for a response. She turned toward me slowly. She looked to be about twenty, but it was hard to tell given her attire, her matted, wet hair, and the fact that her teeth were chattering so heavily that her face was a constant collage of motion. Yes, she answered, holding her arms wrapped around herself. I was just wondering if you needed help. You look pretty cold, I said trying to smile in a non-threatening way. I'm not great. I think I'm lost, 
she responded. Are you not from around here? I am, but I was at a friend's and had to leave. I don't remember why, but now I don't know how to get home. I assumed that she had been drunk and either gotten into a fight with her friend or just walked outside during her blackout and instinctively had been trying to walk home. She told me that she was a student at a university and her friend went to another school. This made sense to me as our city had two major universities, one of which is west of downtown and the other to the north, the direction she was walking. Well, if you promise you're not conning me, I live a few blocks from here, and I could give you a ride home, I offered, trying to look as little like a serial killer as possible. She hesitated before smiling for the first time and accepting. I gave her my coat and we started walking. About a block later, I noticed that her teeth had stopped chattering, which I attributed to the coat. But there was something I didn't notice until about a half hour later. Her hair wasn't wet and matted anymore. It looked like that of a girl who had just finished blow-drying and straightening it. When we arrived back to my apartment, she returned my coat, but I still hadn't noticed the change in her hair. I admittedly noticed something else, her pajamas, which seemed to be much more form-fitting than they had been down at the river. I'm not proud of myself for noticing that, nor the effect it had on me, but it is what it is. As I started driving, she let out a deep sigh and thanked me again. It was at this moment that I had a strange realization. We had been chatting the whole walk home, but I didn't recall any of the conversation. As I stopped at the first stoplight on our way, I glanced over at her. She was staring at me with a slight smile on her face. You feeling okay? I asked stupidly. Her mouth curled into a Cheshire grin, and she cocked her head to one side. I'm great. I, I think I'm lost, she said. And then her hair, which I had previously not noticed having changed, morphed back into its matted, wet mess across her face. Her teeth began chattering horribly, to a point where I thought she might actually break a tooth. I pulled over to the side of the road in a panic, but in the moment that I took my eyes off her to execute the maneuver, she lunged at me. I managed to stop the car safely and tried to unbuckle my seatbelt to defend myself, but there was no need. She had lunged, but stopped only an inch from my face. Her eyes rolled up into her face, and her grin somehow widened even further. It was inhuman. Without looking away, I reached behind me and opened my door. I fell back outside onto the snowy road, and another car had to swerve to avoid hitting me or my car door. When I looked back inside my car, it was empty. I sat on the side of the road for about an hour. The passenger door had never been opened. There was no way she could have just slipped away in the split second that I had looked at the passing vehicle. And yet she was gone, like she had never been there. But I knew she had been. There was still some melting snow left behind. Snow on the floor of the passenger side, 
she had been there. But as I sat there, I realized I didn't remember what she looked like. Did she have brown hair? Blonde? Or was it wet or, or, or dry? Was she wearing flannel pajamas? I could have sworn at one point that she had been wearing a nightgown. <sighs> Why in the world would she be out in this kind of weather in high heels? By the time I got my wits about me, I barely remembered I was so disturbed at the first place. Some crazy girl had asked me for a ride home and then run off. That was all I really remembered. And as quarantine rolled on, as the months turned to summer, autumn air then turned to winter again, I completely forgot about the entire night. But this week my city received its first major snowstorm of the year. I took the week off from work, as I do between Christmas and New Year's. And as such, I took a late night walk. It was in the park, about five blocks from my apartment, that I saw her. The park itself was dark, but the streetlights from the road that ran beside it illuminated her from far away. In that moment, I nearly collapsed. Every memory of that night last March flooded back into my mind like a torrent of terror. I remembered the initial anxiety, the awkwardness of the introduction, the shameful, increasing desire which I had looking upon her, the fleeting hope that she might invite me in when we got to her place. And then I remembered how she attacked me, but didn't. I intentionally exited the park at the other end and jogged home despite the slippery sidewalks. I had honestly hoped that my memories might fade again, but they didn't. I remembered everything about that awkward, ethically questionable, terrifying night, and I wish I couldn't. One thing I feel confident about is that I haven't seen the last of her. As I jogged home and passed my locked car parked on a snowy side street in front of my apartment, I saw a figure in the passenger seat. Her hair was matted, and it looked like her gaze was following me as I went by. One thing I feel confident about is that I haven't seen the last of her. Isn't melting by E. Jawa. I don't think that I'm crazy, but part of me is hoping that I am. I'm almost too afraid to post this for fear of finding out it's happening to others in other places. I know if I try telling people offline, they will think I'm crazy, and that won't help anybody. People don't think about all the snow they bring in with them, you know. In their cars, office, home, everywhere. <laughs> and why would they? It's just snow after all. Once inside, it only takes minutes for the remaining snow stuck to your jacket and boots to melt. It's just a normal part of winter. I know I never really thought about it myself. Not until yesterday morning. It started snowing here in Portland, Maine on Wednesday. I know other parts have been dealing with rough winter weather, 
but this was our first winter storm of the season. It wasn't even that bad of a storm, though. Calling it a winter storm felt a bit of an insult. A bunch of us left the office early, though, but it was probably due more to work being slow. The snow was just an excuse to leave early. My girlfriend and I work at the same company, so I went home with her. It wasn't snowing that hard, but there was a decent amount of accumulation. We brushed the snow off the car windows and headed home. Once home, we had snow on our gloves, jackets, and hats. Again, like any other winter storm. It was an uneventful night. She had some baking to do to prepare for Thanksgiving, and I had some Dragon Age to play. Yes, I chose not to help on purpose. We had to get up early in the morning. We were spending Thanksgiving separately, believe it or not, with our families, so she was going to drop me off at my parents, then head to Manchester for hers. She was going to come back Friday. It must have been because I was very tired that I chose to ignore the first signs that something was off. There was some snow on the windowsill, just a little bit, so I figured she must have opened the window briefly when I was in the bedroom. Then there was our jackets, which still had last night's snow clung to them. There also seemed to be more of it, if only just by a little bit, than from what I remembered last night. She didn't seem to notice, and I was still waking up and too tired to care. She grabbed her jacket and I saw some snow fall on the ground. I grabbed my other jacket, since the one I wore the previous day was more for riding my bike at night. I kissed her goodbye when we got to my parents and she left on her way to Manchester. I really hope that wasn't our last kiss. Thanksgiving was nice, but pretty much the same as the last few years. Ours consists of breakfast, parade, dog show, movie, then dinner. Boring but nice. My girlfriend texted me shortly after she got to her parents, saying their power was out. It was out in many places, both in Maine and New Hampshire. That night, my sister dropped me off back to my home. What greeted me when I opened the apartment door was shocking, to say the least. Snow everywhere. There was at least a foot covering everything. Snow tumbled into the hallway where the door opened. It was really cold, too. Colder than outside. I could see that the kitchen window was broken. A a tree must have fallen or a large branch breaking the window, letting in the elements. Still, it seemed like entirely too much snow, considering it was only snowing through the morning and not that hard. The shards of glass that still remained in the window didn't look right either. They were white, covered in thick frost. I got my landlord. He lives in the same building. He was more shocked than I was. He said that he was here all day and didn't hear anything break. No trees, branches, or windows. He insisted that he would take care of it, and that he would cover any hotel costs until they cleared out and fixed the window. He must have felt guilty about not noticing all day, since he wouldn't accept my help either, and said that he would have someone come and help him. I was tired and worn out, so I didn't argue. I called my sister to have her pick me up, so I could stay at my parents'. I tried calling my girlfriend to give her the bad news, but it was going straight to voicemail every time. 
She had forgotten to charge her phone the night before, I assumed, so it must have died and she hadn't been able to charge it yet. I wish I still thought that was the case. I couldn't shake that image of our apartment covered in snow. It didn't seem natural. That was when I remembered about the snow on our jackets. There was also snow on our gloves when we got home. Wouldn't that have melted before we got home? It's not that long a drive, but with the heat on... It doesn't matter now. I went to work this morning, tired from the lack of sleep. Not a lot of people showed up, understandably. I know that's not abnormal for the Friday after Thanksgiving, but I mean people who were planning to come back to work today, and they didn't show up, and we were all having trouble reaching them. Fear was really setting in now, but I didn't know exactly the cause. Why hadn't she called yet? One of my co-workers, who I consider a friend, was one of the ones who didn't show up. I figured if I drove over and found her just running late for some dumb reason, my fears would go away. He'd probably think it was weird that I was checking up on him too, but it didn't matter. I needed to do this. As soon as I saw his house, I knew my fears were justified, and panic started to creep in. Some of his windows were broken, the others completely white. I almost turned the car around right then, but I slowly pulled into his driveway. I wanted to make sure he was okay. Maybe he wasn't home like I was. No, his car was still there. He was still there, sitting on his couch in fact, his frozen gaze looking at a broken window. Snow everywhere, everything cold. That's what I saw when I went inside. I can hardly say it was the most frightening thing I've ever seen. His eyes were frozen like white orbs, any visible skin was an unsettling shade of blue, and his arm had fallen off and shattered into a hundred pieces. It happens fast, I know that now. I think it grows slowly, so it needs to let more inside before it can. I don't know. Maybe that's how it feeds. I'm at my parents now. I didn't tell them what I saw. How could I, when I don't know what I saw? They asked why I was brushing and sweeping all of the snow out of the house, though. I asked them not to go outside. That was a mistake. We should have left. I forgot to check the snow closet. Five minutes ago, while I was typing this, I heard a window break downstairs. It's getting cold. Out in rural Saskatchewan, it gets very cold. As a 16-year-old boy, I was charged with keeping the fireplace alive during those long winter months, chopping wood and tossing it onto the fire all day long. 
God forbid my father got home from work to find a pile of smoldering embers. It was on one such winter day that my friend and neighbor Anthony came to visit. I say neighbor, but in reality he had to have lived something like a mile up the road, our houses separated by a densely wooded area. He arrived in a beat-up Ford truck and had likely borrowed it while his dad was either out or taking a nap. I could count on seeing Anthony at least once a day. He was the only kid my age who actually hung out with me. On days like these, we usually sat in the living room near the fireplace watching TV. Today, well, Anthony had other plans. What do you say we head out into the woods tonight? Anthony suggested, his eyes alight with prospect. (laughs) Fuck no, dude. It's already cold as balls right now. It'll be even colder tonight. Let's just chill inside, I said, and stared into the foreboding thicket of trees, twilight fast approaching. The brush seemed to stretch out infinitely, kissing the horizon. I pushed down a slight feeling of dread. Oh, come on, Benny boy, you know you wanna... Anthony said convincingly as he produced a hip flask, its silver plating dulled and tarnished by decades of use. Another item borrowed from his father, no doubt. He swung it around, making sure I could hear the liquid contents swishing inside. It'll be fun, man. (sighs) Fine, I sighed. Let's leave in an hour. Now grab an axe and help me chop this wood. When we set out, it was already dark. I had resolved to return home before long. Anthony, however, had brought a backpack full of supplies that suggested we would be staying for a while, much to my dismay. He had brought a radio and a cassette tape player with extra D batteries, some flint to start a fire. He'd even packed some hot links to cook over the fire. This was all too much for an excursion I thought would only last around two hours tops. Soon, the canopy encapsulated us, and we had to turn on our flashlights. We stopped after about fifteen minutes of walking, and found a couple of logs placed to form a circle around a heap of ash. This is the place, Anthony announced, his excitement now palpable. All right, throw some tunes on, I said, and I began gathering some twigs for the fire. Anthony popped in a Kansas cassette and Carry On Wayward Son began to play. We sat around a low flame as we waited for the uppermost planks to catch fire. Anthony fished his covered flask out of his backpack and screwed off the cap. He took a generous gulp and smirked as he swallowed the liquid. Fuck yeah, he roared as he moved the flask to within my reach. I grasped it and took a modest swig. The whiskey burned my throat on the way down. After passing the flask around a few more times, I began to feel the buzz kick in. Anthony and I talked about trucks, music, football, girls at school, regular high school kid shit. We'd spent the entire contents of the flask in no time, and the general atmosphere of the hangout seemed to grow less relaxed. 
It was getting really cold now. I breathed onto my hands and rubbed them together, inching them as close to the fire as I possibly could without searing my skin, mentally berating myself for neglecting to bring any gloves. Anthony was seemingly unbothered by the cold. He was up and about, relaying some half-true story of recent sexual encounters. I was even surprised to see that he had taken off his parka and thrown it over the logs. I heard the leaves rustling above our heads, the nighttime wind howling, and the firewood crackling in the fire. All of these sounds coalesced into a great symphony, the woods now awake while the world went to bed. I shuddered. I'm going to go get more firewood. The flame's getting a little low, Anthony said. Uh, don't worry about it, man, I said, rising from the log I was sitting on. We're out of here anyway. Plus, it's really fucking cold right about now. Ben, don't be such a buzzkill. We can stay a little longer. Sober up before you stumble home and get your drunk ass caught by your folks, Anthony reasoned. No way, I said. That's it for me. You want to stay out here? Go ahead. But I'm gonna go back. I turned to leave, hoping Anthony would cease his efforts and follow me. You're always fucking like this, man. That's why people don't want to hang out with you. I don't even know why I feel sorry for you and come by every day. Anthony spat, the words piercing my eardrums. In hindsight, I should have chalked it up to comments from Whiskey, but I took it personally. What made his comments hurt even more was that I believed all those things about myself already. Fuck you, I retorted, like a wounded animal and tried to walk away. By the time I arrived home, the booze had well and truly worn off and my head was aching something awful. I sat by my own fireplace stabbing at the wood with an iron poker, watching as the embers shot up each time. After feeling sufficiently warmed, I headed for bed. I went out like a light. I was awoken by a tapping on my window. I got out of bed and pulled the curtains apart. It was all pitch black outside save for the glimmer of the moonlight. It was then that I saw him. It was Anthony, throwing pebbles against my window. It didn't make any sense. He should have long been home in bed. What was he doing out here? I could hardly see him, but he seemed different somehow. Just something about him seemed off. I opened the window. What are you doing, Anthony? I shouted at him, wondering what he was doing here at this hour. Then I noticed it. His skin was a pale blue. His face was gaunt, and his hair had several bald spots, as if it had fully fallen out in chunks. He still wasn't wearing his parka. His tattered sweater rippled in the wind, briefly revealing his bare abdomen. He was emaciated, his skin stretched tightly over his ribcage. The worst part was his eyes. They were stone-like, resembling those of a porcelain doll, hard and cold. 
I was at a loss for words. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was then that the figure that resembled my friend began to speak. The fire died out. You left me there, Ben. The hoarse voice struggled to say, You left me there. No, I, 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 I didn't. I started to plead. You were... You left me there, Ben. Anthony, get out of the coal and come inside, I said, hardly meaning it though. I didn't want him in the house, but I was also scared, desperate to appease him. The figure launched itself into the air much higher than any human being should have been able to. It was now looking directly at me, making eye contact. It was levitating, suspended in the thin air. How could this even have been possible? It moved toward my window still. Seeing it up close only accentuated its haunting features. Disgusting pus-filled boils covered its arms and face. Its teeth were speckled with green and brown bits of refuse. I instinctively slammed the window shut, backing away as the figure made it closer to the window. I should have screamed, but my voice had escaped me. I tripped on something behind and stumbled backward, catching myself. I saw it now, its face up against the window, the face that had once belonged to Anthony. You left me there, Ben. It started beating on the window with two decaying fists. I saw cracks begin to form in the corner of the window. I was frantic, clambering onto my bed and onto the covers, as if that would provide any protection against the being. I wrapped the comforter over my head. Finally, a scream was able to escape my lips. Ben... Wake up. My father jerked me awake with urgency. Anthony's dad called. He didn't come home last night. I squinted as the morning light invaded my pupils. Uh, Anthony? I said in a weak voice. I, I, I left him there. Left him where? Demanded dad. My mind recalled the haunting figure of the night, struggling to disengage nightmare from reality. Where did you leave him, Ben? Before I could even think of what to say, I had already answered the question. I left him in the cold.